0: Welcome to Healthcare Happenings, a One Digital
1: Employer Advisory Podcast. It's no secret that healthcare is complicated and to prepare for the road ahead, business leaders need transparency and access to information in order to develop the best health benefits strategy. Our team of compliance leaders are here to shed light on the latest developments on the Hill and share their collective vision for ways to improve the healthcare experience. Hello, everyone. This is Samantha Mollimer coming to you today, and I'm talking with Peter Graf on our special session or our special episodes of Healthcare Happenings. Today, we're gonna to be talking about Form 5500s. Which is the DOL's annual report on ERISA plans. So, as I mentioned, I have a special guest with me today, Peter Graff, who is a senior compliance consultant here at One Digital and our resident expert on Form 5500 filings. Peter, roughly how many Form 5500s have you worked on? Ballpark it for our listeners.
0: Well, Sam, I was afraid you're going to ask that because <laughs> I lost track when we got to when I got to about 1,000. Uh, in my prior life, that's my life prior to joining One Digital, I was a 5,500 preparer for my prior employer. Um, you know, that was a really excellent experience for me. And since coming to One Digital, I've not had to do any actual preparations, but have been able to consult, weigh in, evaluate, and help both our consultants and our clients clients get their filings done as well as to resolve, uh, you know, complications or even in fact missed filings that they may have had in the past. So somewhere north of a thousand, uh, it's probably it's coming close to two, but I'm we not sure. We just lost out.
1: track, that's all. We just lost track.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Uh, so Peter, could you tell us what's really the purpose of the Form 5500 filing?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the short answer is because the Fed says so, but the more detailed answer is it's because of ERISA. And under ERISA, there are both reporting requirements and disclosure impl- requirements. but for employee benefit plans and the term employee benefit plans includes both retirement plans as well as health and welfare plans. Uh, The 5500 filings help address those requirements. Uh, Amongst the things they fit the filings do is they document that the plans are operating within prescribed standards and they also provide information or make it available to plan participants, beneficiaries, and regulators. Uh, on top of that, 5,500 filings are public information. So the information is available beyond uh, just the participants and the employers.
1: Yeah, I think every year or so, you know, the DOL comes out with kind of a report that really describes like employer-sponsored plans. It like looks at kind of those Statistics that I think they pull from the 45500s that are filed. Correct. Um, So generally, who's required to file the 4500s? And here we're just talking about those health and welfare benefit
0: plans. Okay, well, that's good qualification. So the bar for filing a health and welfare 5500 is a little higher than it is for a retirement plan. So for health and welfare plans, we're generally, generally looking at plans that had 100 or more employee participants on the first day of the ERISA plan year. Uh, and when I say employee participants, that includes both retirees and COBRA participants that still may be active within the plan. So and again, it comes back to how many on the first day of the ERIS- the ERISA plan year, uh, which is may or may not be the the plan or policy year for the coverage. And for that, they would, they you know, an employer needs to look at, you know, their ERISA plan documents to confirm what that date is.
1: Yeah, I think there's sometimes always a confusion between plan year and policy year. But like, as you mentioned, we're really looking at the ERISA plan year
0: for this. Right. And most, uh, you know, if an ERISA plan is tied to a single coverage, and I'll, for an example, if the an employer has a non-contributory group life policy, and that's a standalone, that's typically the plan that's going to get to 100 participants first or one of them. Um, you know, that tends to align with their ERISA plan year. When you get into WRAP documents, in other words, when an employer brings all of their ERISA or all of their benefits under a single ERISA plan document, uh, they may or may not align. In other words, medical may, for example, have a January or a 1-1 plan year, but perhaps, you know, life and disability has a 3-1 or a 7-1 plan year. So, in those situations, it's important to go back and look at the plan documents. Um, one additional comment when I referred to the 100 employee participant uh, threshold uh, plans that are part of a MEWA or plans that use a trust for benefit funding, you know, have a lower threshold, and typically those are automatically required to file, even if they're smaller plans.
1: So, in this report, kind of what information are they asking for? What information does our employer groups need to be aware of that they need to be providing to the DOL?
0: So, on top of the filing is the act, the form fifty five hundred itself. Uh, this includes information about the employer, their address, their tax ID, uh, their ERISA plan number, and what benefits are included under that ERISA plan. Uh, this information does directly tie to their plan documents. Um, you know, and I can't stress enough the importance of having current plan documents, uh, especially wrap documents, because that's what really you know brings everything together. So, and additionally, with a wrapped plan, uh, this allows an employer to file a single 5,500 as opposed to chasing separate filings for all their various plans. (laughs) Uh, So beyond the 5,500 form, then we get into plan schedules. Uh, The most common is what's called a Schedule A, and these are typically for fully insured plans. And they include information about the carrier, how many people are insured. uh, And this can include both the employees and and beneficiaries or spouses and dependents, uh, depending on the coverage. It also includes information about uh, who the broker is and what the premiums and commissions were with that plan. We do get questions about About Schedule Cs, and those are typically tied to self-funded benefits, and those relate to administrative fees paid. Generally, thanks to some special releases from the the feds, uh, the Schedule Cs are typically not required for self-funded plans.
1: Um, I know we keep talking a little bit about WRAP documents, and I just kind of want to explain that really what that is is just kind of a... Documentation, a formality, kind of a material that why we say wrap is that it usually wraps around existing third party documentation. So it could not intu- include your insurance policy. And really the purpose of it is to provide those ERISA bells and whistles, kind of the terms that are not included in that third party document. So just as a few clarifications, I know we keep throwing up the term wrap document as to what it is. Um, and that'll include, like Peter said, for the DOL reporting, you know, your RISA plan year or the plan name, um, the employer sponsor, um, and then the plan number. Often that's not included in that third-party document.
0: Correct. And just, you know, to weigh in a little more on that, um, you know, in days gone by, the documents that were provided by carriers um oftentimes we're sufficient enough, but in the last couple of decades, uh, like everything else, the world's gotten a little more complicated <laughs> and those carrier documents no longer satisfy ERISA requirements.
1: Yeah. And I think oftentimes, you know, I, I've seen it, you know, <clears throat> in the carrier documents, they'll say eligibility and it'll say, refer to the employer's, you know, documents. And then the employer doesn't want to have a document or it doesn't say, so it's kind of a rigmarole of like, how do we determine what actually eligibility is? So it's awesome important that you are double checking that the terms of your plan are actually well documented and communicated to your participants. Correct. So it seems that the Form 5500 is the key buzzword right now. Um, And we're talking right now, it's the end of June of 2021. Why is it that buzzword right now? Why am I getting a bunch of questions on it?
0: Uh, well, this is the most magical time of the year for 5,500 filings. Uh, so, according, and again, again, as only, uh, you know, ERISA could define it, a 5,500 filing is due at the end of the seventh month following the end of the ERISA plan year. So what that really means is for an ERISA plan that's a calendar plan year, uh, that's one that ended 1231 of 2020, the 5500 is due by July 31st. So this is a great time to be working on filings. Uh, if you've got ERISA plans that ended on 1231. Um, I know within one digital, I think we have clients that have 5500s due at the end of every month of the year, but well over half of all the 5,500s we see are due July 31st. Uh, so, you know, that's the time to get them done. Now, a lot of times, and, you know, as, as, been, as I've been told, and as I like to say, if it wasn't for deadlines, nothing would get done. <laughs> uh, but, you know, still, if you're not working on them now, I would hope you're at least giving some, some thought to it. Uh, if you're not able to make that 731 deadline, it is possible to get an extension. Uh, the uh, the IRS or DOL has a form 5558, which is an extension of time for a 5500 filing. Those can be submitted and as long you, as you get them submitted before the original due date, uh, in this case, uh, July 31st, uh, there an extension of two and a half months will automatically be approved. There is no penalty or fine for getting an extension. You just have to ask for it by the original due date. And again, it's two and a half months. So if you can't make that July 31 deadline and you get the extension in by that date, it will give you to October 15th to get that in.
1: Yeah. And the form is not that complicated. It's pretty standard of how you would go about hmm, requesting Correct. that extension. Correct. Um, so if I determine that I do have to file the Form 5500, how would I go about doing that?
0: So... Several years ago, the DOL decided that they were going to require all 5,500 filings to be filed electronically through what they call their eFAST2 system. Um, you know, and I have had seen it, I've logged into it, uh, and it is possible for an employer to access the system and create their, phone, their own 5,500 filing. Uh, my opinion from my personal experience is that... It, I think it's a little bit clunky or a little bit cumbersome to try and work through. It's not particularly intuitive. Um, Another shortfall, in my opinion, of that application is uh, it doesn't create the summary annual report, which is a document, which is a product of a fifty-five hundred filing. So, you know, if a client wanted to go in and create their own filing, that's entirely possible. Uh, they, They would hopefully need to have to have sort of some wherewithal as to what they're doing, but there's Still at the end of the day, are not going to be able to produce that summary annual report. Most of the vendors we work with have you know custom or commercial software that integrates with the Efast Two system, which is much more easy, much more user friendly, and easier to use for them. Um, also, the applications that our vendors use will create those summary annual reports. So when a one digital Uh, vendor partner produces them, the filing will be prepared, submitted electronically, and a summary and a report will be produced and provided.
1: Great information. Um, so, what if I was a client, I've seen this in the past, that didn't know they had to do a Form 5500. Maybe they had just went over the 100 threshold or they didn't think that the benefit that they were offering, maybe they had a short-term disability or a life policy, that one had over 100, but maybe their medical plan didn't. So, they just didn't know that they had to file the Form 5500 what happens? Is there any kind of like, is there penalties associated to not filing? How do they go about, you know, bringing their plan back into compliance?
0: Well, the first thing to do is to recognize that they missed some filings. Uh, the penalties for a missed 5,500 filing are, as I recall, $2,233 per day per plan for each day a filing is late with no maximums, no limits. Uh, so these, can, you know, if you're looking at missed filings going back several years, these dollars can really add up. Now, the DOL does offer what they call their delinquent filer voluntary Compliance pr- program or the DFVC program, if you hear that talked about, and that allows an employer to voluntarily submit misfilings uh, for a significantly reduced or modest penalty. Typically, a DFVC you know, penalty is about $10 a day per plan per filing, and those cap at about $2,000 a day per plan for one filing or 4000 if there are several years that are missed for a single plan. Um, you know, I had seen these in the past, and, you know, earlier this year, we worked with a client who had, did not have a wrapped plan, had all individual plans, and had, Boy, eight or nine years of missed filings, and their their penalty exposure was north of twenty six million dollars. Um, you know, I don't know, you know, what kind of money all of our uh, compliance, all of our clients have, but a twenty six million dollar hit's pretty significant.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, no.
0: <laughs> and as long as you got come step up and take care of the DFEC filings, uh, you can typically get those done for a few thousand dollars Whoa. and the <laughs> penalty. But the important thing is. The 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 DFEC filing has to be submitted before the DOL identifies and contacts you about a misfiling, because once that happens, that DFEC filing option comes off the table.
1: Oof. Ooh, well, at least you saved them some money, right? You helped them out, Peter.
0: <laughs> well, you know, there's a famous quote out there: if you think compliance is expensive, try noncompliance.
1: Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> what the zingers at us, Peter? <laughs> Great. Well, this is great information, Peter. I do appreciate you taking your time today to talk with me. Hopefully this was helpful for our listeners. And if any of you still have any lingering questions out there about Form 5500 or compliance in general, feel free to reach out to us here at One Digital. and stay tuned for future episodes from Healthcare Happenings. Take care. Great. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in. Staying on top of compliance today can be the source of great concern and frustration. Our dedicated team of attorneys and experts look around the corner on your behalf and deliver the tools, education, and resources needed to help you plan for the future and protect your employees and business every day. You can access additional resources, employer advisory sessions, and podcasts on our website, onedigital.com. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time.